good things come to those who wait, or at least that's always been my hope for the last year and a half as we put this podcast on hold. And hopefully all of you that are out there are still doing well and enjoying your lives throughout this crazy last year and a half or so that we've had. So uh, I'm coming to you today just to give you a little bit of news. We are officially working to begin the podcast once again. Uh, but as with many of you are have probably experienced and are going through as well, uh, life has changed. Life has changed for me. Life has changed for Matt. Uh, there are many new and different and exciting things and bad things, good, bad, otherwise going on in our lives. And so uh, prior to the episode start, I just wanted to give you guys all kind of a heads up of where we're at with things. Uh, obviously, life is still crazy. Uh, there's still closures and things going on with the with virus stopping and uh, busyness and everything like that. And so uh, we're going through a little bit of a stylistic change, I would say, with the episodes. Um, we're not going to be probably doing quite as many episodes, as many recordings as we've done in the past. We're probably going to be releasing uh, fewer uh, just due to time and space you know, money and uh, livelihood limitations. I know Matt has undergone a career change over the last year and a half. Uh, I as well have taken on a number of different uh, projects and jobs that have kind of kept me busy. And so, uh, but they're good things. I think there's some good changes that you guys will see. One of the big things we're going to be doing here, uh, instead of just Matt and I limiting ourselves to reviews, uh, we're going to be doing more of a group setting a lot of times, more of a group discussion, which I think uh, is very good when it comes to uh, podcasting and talking about reviews. And so we'll continue to make these reviews real uh, and, and interesting uh, by adding new and diverse and different views into the podcast. And so I hope you'll continue to listen and check things out. I hope you'll continue to enjoy the episode. And as always, uh, stay connected to connect with us on our website, realviewmedia.com or facebook.com slash realreviewmedia. And coming up next, you will hear us doing our first review back, which will be James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Check it out. Welcome to The Real Review, sponsored by PicTalk and Parametric Studios, where you get some of the latest happenings, real thoughts, and real perspectives in the world of film and television. Today, we're going to be talking about James Gunn's newest film, The Suicide Squad. Did it soar us to galaxies far beyond, like his other much-enjoyed film franchise? Or was this one suicidal on arrival? That and more on today's episode of The Real Review, so stay tuned! Welcome to The Real Review. first friend who had the dial up for prodigy he oh, had a prodigy account like i remember when we got guy. we got cable and it was like a brand new thing and everybody was like wait you can you can call we can call you when you're online and it's not going to suddenly right. just, just yeah. drop your internet <laughs> connection so yeah but i still remember the days of the you know you know that went yeah. <laughs> so i think yeah before we start only because Megan went to the oh we already store, started I'm, she said she Oh, okay. You want she's me to gonna, not? Well, she's gonna come through the door. Oh, that's fine. I'm not worried about it if she comes we'll through the like, door. <laughs> we'll just say, "Hi, Megan. You want to join the podcast if you want?" Yeah. yeah I'm keep. I'm. I'm. This is. This is very different. It's a new style for the real. Real review. We're kind of doing. I think more conversational. I think it's. It's something with you know. If we're gonna have a lot of different people talking and part of the podcast, I think it's good for me to just keep it more open and more 
That's true. More of a conversational thing. So yeah, but you, you're saying it hadn't started yet. Though. No, it's already. I'm already recording right now. So all right, carry yeah. on. <laughs> we are literally broadcasting, broadcasting to dozens yeah. of people, at least. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Like no, three, two. No, I'm not gonna do a countdown. Two and a one silent I, countdown. Yeah, I'll nothing. do all the the pre-roll stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna have that before the episode even starts and stuff like that. So no again, I'm I'm trying to make this more just like a conversational thing that we're talking mm -hmm. more about stuff. I mean, the main goal of this obviously is to talk about the film, and so we're gonna be talking about you know the Suicide Squad, which we all had a chance to see. Um, I went to the theater and saw it, which is like a new thing almost again. Uh, you went to a theater too, though. Oh you, yeah, right? yeah. I've been I've been back a long time ago. So. Yeah. Do you have like a favorite theater? Uh, I feel like everybody has a favorite. In Phoenix, theater. Desert Ridge is my favorite. It has the Dolby Cinema, and uh, it has an IMAX as well, but I think the projection on the Dolby Cinema is better, okay. even though I think you do get that full aspect ratio of the uh, IMAX uh, yeah. film negative in the IMAX, but the seats are way better as well. They got the leather recliners. Oh, that. And yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I hate pushing it, but the A-list, $20 a month. Yeah. Unreal. Oh, I totally get that. Yeah. I mean, it again, it takes me back, but like I remember the day where, you know, they still have this at some older theaters like Shea 14, but it's like if you had a slight slant on the floor, you were happy because it was like the person in oh, front of yeah. you. When, when could yeah. When mostly see everything. In Memphis, they introduced stadium seating yeah, at it was the like Wolf Revolution Chase Gallery, a mall, which is like this new mall they built back when they yeah. invested in malls. <laughs> and that was the selling point for that theater that I drove. 30 minutes for the stadium seating it was it was uh epic and i remember when they first got the uh, a digital projector and yeah. i think it was for the star wars stuff i want to say it was the star wars is when uh the pre the prequels yeah when they i can't remember exactly but i noticed a huge difference yeah i'm not like tarantino i don't care how it's projected uh i do i, I like the aesthetics of uh mm -hmm. you know the uncleanliness of the uh, oh, like projection the film effect and the projection. Yeah, the projection. <laughs> I get a big haze pubic, of cigarette yeah. smoke floating up into the <laughs> that pubic hair. Oh, uh, yeah. the side, you know, corner. It's I, I miss that. They sometimes. forgot to check but the gate. Yeah, I'm just like, I, I want a clean, beautiful image. Yeah, I still like it shot on film, but that's just me. But. Me, it's the audio. Like if I if I go to a theater and it's not the best seat or you know the it's a little fuzzy or something like that I can usually deal but if the audio is not like right on I'm oh just like, and, well I mean if you're in a theater all you gotta do is complain and they will give you a free ticket oh I do it all the time <laughs> if I anything, just complain about anything if you know, anything <laughs> look I got I'm the complaining a, right a now guy farted two seats over it's I got bad. yeah I got yeah. the A list and I still complain it's yeah. like I know I can just see this again but I am I still need some type of compensation there I was like would a free ticket do awesome. Yeah, that's, that's exactly <laughs> what go. I was looking for. Thank you. I will say the last movie I went to, the audio was much better than I expected, and I hadn't yeah. been to a theater for. I mean, I go once a year. But was lucky. it a was it a Dolby Cinema? Uh, I couldn't tell you, but it was oh. mixed well. The volume was right. Usually, it's either too loud or too quiet. I mean, that's why I watch movies at home because, like you said, audio is a yeah. big deal. Yeah, and I'm kind of insane about it. So you are a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, that's your work. Because you my audio also includes people eating popcorn. Yeah, <laughs> like I can't stand it. Yeah, you're more of like the so the environment makes a big difference i guess yeah because okay. uh, i'm easily distracted so if a teenage girl pulls out her phone of course i'm going to look at the flashing lights yeah so. but if you go at 2 p.m on a monday there is zero people in the theater <laughs> i see i thought that i used to do a lot of midday because i watched a lot of movies to, to review and i have um and it's it's almost like there's an inverse effect where it's like if there's fewer people in the theater then i'm going to be almost more open and annoying like i'm going to allow myself the freedom to just 
because I could just I, there's fewer people I'm gonna upset or something. Like I went and saw Suicide Squad. It was like a midday matinee uh, on Friday, um, and I was sitting in the theater, and there was like maybe twelve of us, and we were all kind of close to the middle and in stadium scene. But this guy literally just halfway through the film just stands up. And he just starts stretching, like, starts <laughs> doing his cows. I'm like, really, bro? Like, you I know, hope he's yelling gonna... things out like, warrior pose. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, the runtime was two hours, 12 minutes. It, yeah, so. I mean, I understand it, but you just go down the aisle. I mean, just go in the, you know, the aisle way, out of the aisle, you know, into the step area. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. That's so. my favorite thing about movies at home, too, is the pause button. That is nice. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, I they like, can't be beat. I like the uninterrupted focus yeah. of, of the film, and I don't plan on... You know, drinking a lot of beverage to need to pee and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, but it never fails, even though even there, there could be three or four people in the theater. I think I've told you this, but like, you know, that one guy will come right after all the previews and sit right next to you or right in front of you. And the entire theater is empty. And he somehow has a crunchy, individually yeah. wrapped <laughs> exactly. uh, uh, snack. And individual just, wrapped chips. And they just yeah, open just each chip like, <laughs> and then crunch, yeah. crunches. I think, I think we're ready to have the conversation on at what length of a movie do we start putting intermissions into them in the theaters? Well, Much like a Broadway play. But or when something. I, when yeah. I saw uh, Hateful Eight, we had the intermission. It was awesome. When I was in Italy, they had an intermission and it was awesome. Right. I love that. You know, and I had the idea of a long time ago, which I don't know if it would ever work anymore because we're doing so much on like home theaters now, but it was the idea of doing like a commercial theater where you would, you wouldn't have to pay for a ticket. Like you have to reserve a seat obviously, but the, the way they make money is they show commercials during the movie. Oh. It's like, it's a movie. It's a normal, you know, normal movie seating. It's like the original Hulu approach, right? Yeah. But it's like on a big screen and a nice theater. You can pay for snacks and everything like that. I don't know. I you're mean, going to get a lot of people camping out all day, though. Probably. Especially, I'm, like, where we live, where it's hot. Well, that's what I'm saying. You still have to reserve a seat, right? Oh, so you yeah. still have to, like, get a seat in the theater. You can't just right. walk in and stay there. But you don't make money off of the ticket sale, necessarily. You make money off of, like, the commercials that are during it. But I don't oh, think it's a bad idea, especially because we used to have second-run theaters. We Dave and I used to go oh, all yeah, the time. $2, oh, yeah. $1.50. Like yeah. yeah, 2 bucks, yeah, 3 right. bucks. yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same idea theaters, with, though, with commercials. I mean, if you yeah, get a yeah, seat yeah. that's fully put together, I mean, that would Yeah, be, right. Yeah. yeah, the one that leans slightly <laughs> yeah. to the right. Yeah. It's like a bit of fall. The movie's slightly tilting the whole time <laughs> more and more as you're watching. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we can talk a little and bit they, about the movie. We had Shasta for beverage choices. Yeah. So the way I'd like to at least talk about the film, I think I mentioned this before, is we'll kind of do some general talk about it, and then at some point we'll switch into more spoiler talk so if we're ready for that we'll go to it um we'll just try and give everybody listening kind of like a warning <laughs> so that way they're not like crud i didn't want to know who blew up or whatever um yeah you just be in charge as a spoiler yeah uh, don't you have like a system failure alert sound you can put on so we're like okay, okay we're going yeah, in the star I don't trek one prepared but i could get one for next time yeah uh, yeah youtube has a uh star trek red alert uh Oh, there you go. <laughs> you can uh, download that audio. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, you. we always give, like, when we've done this in the past, we always give this huge call out for, like, spoilers are coming, and then inevitably still we'll get, like, a message from somebody saying, like, I didn't want that spoiled, and it's like, well, we warned you for, like, <laughs> right. a minute. <laughs> we're going to talk about spoilers, but anyway. Um, so we're talking about Suicide Squad, uh, director and writer James Gunn. Uh, I'll give a brief synopsis for it, just so we're all on the same page. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear what it's mm -hmm. about. Uh, this is the IMDb one, so sometimes it can be very like loopy. Uh, it's supervillain, supervillains Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and a collection of nutty cons at Bell Rev Prison join the super-secret, super-shady Task Force X as they drop off at the remote, enemy-infused island of Corto Maltese. 
which I mean, that's a good enough description, something like that. So uh, just to start kind of like, what do you feel like your expectations for it? Just without spoilers, obviously at this point, what do you think expectation wise you guys had going into it? Low. I had zero. Like yeah. I, I just trusted James Gunn. I saw what he did with Guardians, which again, I didn't, I thought the first one was okay. The second one just made the first one incredible. And I was like, this really came together in terms of story. And yeah. uh, so I was like, I don't even care. Again, this is $20 a month for me. So uh, my experience for it, good or bad, I'm always entertained, but mm -hmm. uh, very, very little expectations. Yeah. I will say, because I did see the trailer, so I saw some artsy cuts. So mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay, there'll probably be some nice cinematography going on. And then also the rated R. I figured, okay, well, we're yeah. going to see some superheroes actually murder people. Yeah, it was hard R. Yeah. I mean, they're super, they're they're not superheroes, I guess, but they're they're super villainy Villains. hero. They're like, what do they call that? It's like a... Anti-hero. Anti-hero, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> uh, very obvious word. That's what but, I'm here for. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> It'll just, we'll just throw in words for each other. It's great. Um, I think I had similar expectations for what you were at, Dave. It was like, the first film was such a a miss for me like I was really I had high hopes for that obviously I think a lot of us did with the trailer and just the idea of the cast and the, the zaniness of it and then you get in there and you see it and it was just a hot mess it was like it was just all over the place so this one I um, at first when I heard they were going to do a sequel I was like eh, but then I heard James Gunn was on board and I was like wow that's awesome because I've loved the you know the, the two Guardian films and I think he's the right kind of person to do an ensemble cast film like we've seen that with both Guardian films. He knows how to handle multiple characters with their own needs and wants and kind of desires to get through the, you know, in the film. But it was also a little bit of like a misgiving because the first one was so bad in my mind. So I'm just like, ooh, how can he, how can he redeem this? You touched um, on a good point there that I wanted to bring up without spoilers was they did a very nice job of introducing the characters here. Yes. And I don't want to talk about how they did it, but the way they unraveled who was going to be in the film, yeah. I thought was done very nice and differently than I've seen in a lot of other movies. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I thought the first one, I don't know what you guys thought, but it was so like, here's this person yeah, exactly. and their thing and their power. And it was like, I get it, but it felt very forced. This one was different. And it, like from immediately from the get-go, it's like, yeah, it was almost like they were making fun of that right. thing that they did in the first film. And it was a lot of block introductions where it's like, here's four characters quickly yeah and here's another four but we're going to introduce them in a completely different way yeah and here yeah so they did a good job with that i agree yeah did you any thoughts dave i, I just thought it unfolded brilliantly yeah and uh it's going back to the first film but when you have you know studios get involved re-editing cutting out stuff reshoots and whatnot that the director's not even david ayers is not even involved yeah you're never going to have a any type of Cohesive. semblance of a yeah, a story yeah. structure whatever and they they call for uh the um Ayers cut now but yeah. yeah but uh i think james gunn going into this in his contract type, type stuff is like final cut yeah absolutely I and think i think as a, a director that's all you need to <laughs> have fine. in your uh in your, here, uh, yeah. you're fine yeah. you're you're we're recording but you're fine it's no worries I, I was I told Ross was like let's not do this she's gonna get home and have a bunch of groceries I was like it's totally fine it's more casual so <laughs> yeah if we we're, get if we're in your so way what? let us know and we will we will move for you <laughs> we're fine okay. yeah don't try to make noise <laughs> so we're talking about the TV air cut um, 
Yeah, I mean, he's come on he's come on record numerous times now, specifically the last at right around the release of this, and said you know that the film that they released, the original Suicide Squad, he did was nothing like his original intent and his original cut. Um, the way it hurt it was that actually the studio that edited or the production company that edited the trailer was actually handed the rights to edit his entire film to re-edit yeah to yeah. re-edit it basically and then it turned it into kind of like the more music video styled movie that they made which which I, yeah I, I rolled my eyes at like the you know character introduction you know little you know it turns into a video game at that point with yeah. the stats and stuff and I'm just like and that stuff went so fast that I couldn't even yeah. read half of it. Yeah. <laughs> do, do, do. Bang, bang, bang. Something, something, something. You're supposed to read this, but... That's a good thing I wanted to bring up about this film. The text was kind of annoying at some parts, but I yeah. liked how they tried to integrate it into the film. Yeah. So when they would say, you know, months before or this character's name. You know. Yeah. I, f- I think the first time it happened, I thought it was cute. Like, right. Good way of putting it. And then the second and third time, I was like, all right, it's getting a little old. And then the fourth or fifth... I was kind of like, all right, it's kind of silly and mm-hmm. kind of fun. And I, like, if I could just distance myself from that aspect of it. I think one of the things that I was th- thinking throughout the entirety of this film actually was that it's really not a film that you're supposed to approach super seriously. I think if you're the kind of person that goes into like any film, but in particular like action films or superhero films and like, I really want to like take this serious and like the characters and then you're not going to have a good time in this movie at all because it's, from all the way down to you know not getting into details of it, but like the backstories for some of the characters and the the over the top ridiculous level of violence that happened at numerous times and the way that you know people were killed at different times. There's there were so many elements to it that like I mean the we you know the weasel character like right. how how do you take this movie seriously? Right. Um, and I think he was doing his best to to embrace that. Now whether or not and set it up quickly, like, Hey, you're not going to learn a life lesson from this, but just sit back and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Just enjoy the craziness. What, what you're shaking your head? Like, no, I I felt like it had like Mm -hmm. great messages about, uh, I wouldn't say friendship, but you know, just there were like a lot of learning lessons. It can be crazy, Mm -hmm. uh, bloody, crazy over the top action and still have like character arcs and still have all these little spoilers. They did. It was a great film. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think where that came together for me personally was in the third act. Like the first act was very much just setting up the, the characters and the story. And then around the second act, you start to get a little hint of like there's some deeper elements at play with some of the characters and their history and their backstory and how that's all going to come together throughout the course of the story. And then really in that third act, and I think that's what you know James Gunn does well, is he knows how to, again, have an ensemble cast, a lot of characters with you know, crazy different backstories and then bring them together and then have the drama, the tension, the action, the things that are going on throughout the course of the story develop their story and develop who they are as a, as a character and really plays that out well. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, I I really, I really uh, compare it to like a Deadpool had the over the top violence, crazy uh, body count, everything, but still had this emotional, moral thread that, you know, Colossus was talking about just do one thing, you know, that type of thing. And that's what made the film work for me. Not that it was awesome action and all this other stuff, because it had all that plus little moments like that. Yeah. And and I will say they did a good job of including characters in scenes that they didn't necessarily need to be in. Agreed. Right. So, 
you can always rely on the shark man. I don't know his name. I forget his name. Shark soup. I don't know. Yeah, right. I kept thinking Moana. But you like, know, like <laughs> they used him for the laugh a lot. Yeah. Right. But he yeah. was always there, and they made sure to show where he was in that environment. And you know, yeah. even though he wasn't integral to the scene, yeah, they still included him instead of just shoving him off and saying, "Oh, by the way, he's been here the whole time." Yeah, King Shark. Yeah, right? That that was Milton. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, King Shark was his name, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I. It's such an interesting thing, I think, without spoiling it too much, um, to see a character that's literally like a walking fish Mm -hmm. and think and barely talks, barely is emotional. It's like Groot, you know, from his other films. How are you going to give a story to that character that is interesting and compelling and relates to you when you're dealing with actual people that (laughs) talk normally for the most part and kind of see life more like I do? So... It's such an an amazing thing. I think that's one of the things you can only really do in film and cinema and stuff. Um, but it, he's one of the he's one of one of the directors out there that I think is capable of doing something. And like I that, think they did a really good job with the CGI in the sense that you just accept that there's a yeah. shark person yeah. wandering around the city. <laughs> yeah. right? They're trying to you yeah, know, they, bite this. Your thing. brain just accepts. They did it, it in the point. Flash TV show with limited, very limited scenes. But even the Flash looked good. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they didn't. I don't think it was. This, used as good as it was in this film. Though. Yeah. So it sounds like we're all pretty much in agreement this is a pretty good movie. What what are some areas you guys feel like didn't necessarily measure up for you, if you can think of any? I thought it was pretty flawless. Pretty flawless. Like, wow. yeah. I'm trying to think of how to word this without spoilers. The story, while predictable, they did a good job of including a lot of stuff that I didn't see coming. Yeah. And I'm very good at usually seeing things coming in films. Yeah. And there was a lot of moments where I was like, oh, that was clever. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Even though... The wrap-up is predictable. Yeah. Right. I think that was one of the gripes I had, actually. Um, none of the deaths of many, many, many deaths that occurred were in any way um, surprising. Even the ones that were meant to be surprising, and I can do more talk about that in spoilers, um, none of those were even real. They all felt very flagged. It was like, oh, I'm framing this, and maybe this is just coming from like more of a cinematic you know, knowledge or something. Um, you know the way they're framing it I'm like oh they're gonna you know flip the camera around and then they're gonna get something's gonna happen and uh, just the way that you didn't get that well I don't know if flag was a pun or not but go ahead <laughs> yeah <laughs> a little bit I guess but that like that was a little bit too much at times I felt like there was times where he was kind of trying to go like eh? mm-hmm. eh? I think especially with some of the violence I, I don't have a problem with violence like I've seen you know all the Saw films and I, I can deal with violence but there's a time and a place for I think certain levels of violence. And I do feel like personally, we can agree obviously or disagree, but I think it went from like, okay, this is doing things that are good and funny or helpful to the story and where you're taking things to like, I'm just being dumb and I just want to show this person blow up or this thing. And then I got a little, that always, that just takes me out. It's not like I hate it, but it's like, I'm just coming out of the story because I feel like you're trying to be like, eh, look at that. Look at that guy's head that just blew up or something. It's it's a little much. And that was it. One of my big pet peeves that they did right at the beginning, and I do want to state before I tell this story, is that they bring it back around. But yeah. the movie starts, and you're thinking, okay, here we go. The right. ride has started. And then you get the old 90s thing where it's just like you may be wondering how did i get into this position <laughs> yeah let's flash backwards yeah right and so yeah. i was like oh my gosh i can't believe they used that right they but, just didn't do the doodle, 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 yeah exactly the wayne's yeah. world like <laughs> yeah. flashback um but i would say they redeemed themselves with that throughout the movie i agree yeah, yeah. 
Uh, did you have any uh, any thoughts? Well, I mean, can we talk about the film? Or yeah, I was going to say. Know, like, so why don't we? Uh, at some point, we're going to have to. We're going to have to. Right. Like, so yeah, I think that's enough talking points, about it without yeah. spoilers. What I'd like to do is just give, um, like, an actual rated like okay. number. What you felt like you'd give it on a scale of you know zero zero to one hundred, mm-hmm. and then we can get into spoiler talk. So who wants to go first? I'll do. I don't care. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll just state my scale. If A plus is the best movies I've ever seen in my life, and maybe A minus is the best I've seen recently, this is a strong B. I would say an eighty six. Yeah, uh, I'm probably not going to be talking about it in ten years, but I enjoyed the heck out of it while watching it. And as somebody who owns the original run of the Suicide Squad, I'm very happy for that B rating. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about you, Dave? And Ostrander had a cameo in it as well. Oh yeah, he did. Um. So is that A or you want a hundred? Uh, I mean, it's whatever you want to do, but hundred. I mean, it, it it's a pretty flawless movie. Yeah, it's like you're saying. Will I watch it again? Maybe because it's on HBO Max. Okay, right. And I have that, but um, it it just checks every single thing a movie needs to be. And if you went into this film thinking, oh, I'm gonna get the English Patient, uh, <laughs> I don't know what planet you're living on, but it delivered on exactly what I thought. Yeah, it's gonna be crazy. Gonna be fun, you know. Like mm-hmm. I just want to be entertained for two hours, you know. Yeah, and uh, that did it, hundred percent. I was never bored. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 as a comic book fan, the way they just pulled from all these old school references, or it, it was crazy good. Yeah, I love it. So we'll give I'd you ninety oh, 98. Okay, I was gonna say you're a flawless. You're an eighty six. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go somewhere in the middle between you two. I'm gonna actually do an eighty eight. So it's like a B plus in my mind, mm-hmm. and I think. Without, I, I can't talk about some of the things that kind of again took me out of film too much without getting to the spoiler talk. So I'd say that with that kind of averages like a minus range, B plus range, pretty good. So yeah, you said uh, you said ninety eight, ninety eight. So yeah. like a nine point eight comic grade, you'll never see a ten. <laughs> yeah, there's just it's impossible to get a ten. Yeah. I had some. I actually got my first uh, collectible rated the other day. And I was like expecting, ah, it'll probably at least be like, a, you know, I would love to just at least get like a 7.5 or an 8 or something like that. For an older book or? No, for a toy, for a comic that uh-huh. I had bought. Um, it's a Star Wars thing way back a long time ago at the last SDCC we had. And uh, it came back at a 7.0. I was like, oh. oh. <laughs> I'm like, if I had not gotten it rated, I could have probably just sold it and not, right. you know, worried so about is, it. But now is it I encased like a yeah, comic? Yeah, it's encased. So it's just a... break it apart, send it again, see if you can do better. Oh, maybe, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> That's cheap. And then that will be a, a documentary in, in and of itself. But anyway. So you, you know I like numbers, so I just averaged it out. So we're at a 90.6 <laughs> between the three of us. That's yeah, pretty good. That's pretty good, right? Yeah, not too bad. And I think the uh, Rotten Tomatoes was 89, which... To me, still holds up as the perfect film is eighty nine. Yeah, right. We it might have changed in the, in the, in the time. Oh, but, uh, yeah. I did. I did yeah. think of another non spoiler. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed John Cena. Oh in yeah. The movie. Oh yeah. He was great. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah. hit or miss for me, and he was definitely Whoa. hit in this one. I think he played the character exactly. It, it like aligned perfectly with who he was right. in a way. So. Right. Oh, I, I, agree, I yeah. believe the greater good type of stuff at the toward the end. It was just yeah. Again, well, to me, that's just good writing. Yeah. Well, let's get into the spoiler talk then. If yeah, you want. let's do it. So, you, so do the alert sound. Well, I, I don't have it. <laughs> wow, if somebody can make that sound well. Cut I'll just it, count us down. I'll do like five, four, three, two, one, and then we can get into spoilers. So if you're listening now, you don't want any spoilers. You don't want to know who dies, why, how, what happens at the end. Stop the podcast. You've got all the info you need. Uh, come back after you've seen the film. Five, four, three, two, one. And everyone dies. And, and, everyone. and not literally everybody. But Damn nearly near. everyone, yeah. But I tell you, it, uh, 
going back to what you said, uh, you, I, I don't know if you're saying you're disappointed at it, but like the, uh, you know, earlier, you know, yeah. the way it cuts after that massacre, which is awesome because yeah. the marketing on this really focused oh, yeah. on all those characters. Oh, yeah. And, and that's they're big names, so too. You know, brilliant. you've got Michael yeah. Rooker and you've got Pete Davidson. You've got people that are well-recognized well, faces. Yeah. but I, so you're I, thinking, oh, these guys are going to overcome. They're going right. to save the day. I thought they were going to die. But I didn't think in the first five minutes. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That. So you're like, maybe one, maybe you know, really... the, the javelin dude will, will book, cut, you know, cut it because I don't really know who that guy is or TDK, yeah. whatever. Um, I know who Nathan Fillion is, but um, but yeah, but then they just think I felt stupid. I bought a pop, which was was for TDK, thinking he's going to be like a big part of this movie, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then he's like out in the first five minutes. Right. Of the film. I did like so how still, they still it might you know less is better, you know. Yeah. I did like how they introduce him and say, "What's your name? What's it mean? What well, means the letters, right?" It's yeah, TDK. Means the letters. and then she's like, "The distance." <laughs> like your name's letters. Yeah, he's like right. all names are letters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that like a superpower, you yeah. know, his arms come off. And it's one of those conversations people. that's like a stupid conversation, but they're able to make it make sense, even though they're they're not, they're not writing the basic premise of it, but they are at the same time. Right. I thought that was really good. And yeah. they, so that's one thing they I wanted to talk about too. They did they picked a character like the polka dot man yeah. that you wouldn't think would be like the grand wizard, right? He's the, the most powerful of all of them, right? Mm -hmm. And David um, Dismulchin, I freaking love. Right. But then they took like TDK and it was just like, you know, you could see him in the room thinking, how do we do this guy? And they say, well, his arms come off and he slaps people. Yeah, right? I would think he's and completely- And it was so pathetic and he slapped right? right? You he's see, like, like, uh, I was like- uh, They're just like, <laughs> and I was like, grab a gun, dude. I was just They're shooting his arms and he's just rolling yeah. on the ground. <laughs> My arms. I don't know if it was just his arms i mean maybe you could detach a leg or a head or something like that too or maybe individual but fingers or something to me but that, yeah that's comic that was genius, kind of the point so just yeah. the slapping <laughs> I, the, yeah. so i was into it at the very beginning because anything that opens up with hello i'm johnny cash you yeah know, like i'm paying attention so <laughs> yeah that was yeah. a good opener yeah I, and again we we're talking about how they kind of like i guess you could say they usurped expectations here but they did it in a very effective and a good way it wasn't like we're like aha i got you it was more of like I'm just going to make this interesting and dynamic and go in different directions than you might have expected. But like um, they started out and they don't even really give you much of a character breakdown. Like we're like right in, you get a very brief, like this is who this yeah. person is. But, and it's like they're immediately, because in the last film it's like, like oh, we're going to give a 30 minute intro for all the characters and, and how they act. And, and by the end you won't care. Sort of, and by the end you yeah, won't care, yeah. Because yeah. it, it never feels like really good because it's like, well, they're going to die anyway. So why would I give so much time to build? And that that's kind of where, so it was like the film almost had like two parts to me. The first part was really focused on just developing the action, developing the story, getting the characters into the world, kind of playing out those crazy, you know, fight that happened at the very beginning. And then the second part of the film is really where you get the character development. You really get like, this is why this character is struggling with this. This is why, you know, I summon rats with a wand, you know? Um, and I thought that was really nice because I feel like if they, a, a worse director would have just given this like a quick little one wrap up, like, well, you're just gonna die. So I'm just gonna move this into like you getting killed off in some ridiculous fashion. Um, or a, a worse director would have gotten so bogged down in like the second act with, well, I have to give these like deep, compelling, you know, reasons for why this person is that and that person's that. And then you don't, then you end up with this thing where it's like some of the characters are well-developed and some are not, which was what we had with the, the last Suicide Squad because you have like two characters that have this deep backstory, but the other ones you're like, right. I, you're just, you don't really have much to you. And so this was, it was well-balanced. 
And I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. It's and like, I think they did a good job holding off on getting too deep with characters until yeah. they slimmed down the roster. Absolutely. <laughs> they kind of right. needed to yeah, do right. that, yeah. Yeah, but even in the intro, you know, almost all the characters were given equal time and literally right. three-fourths of them were gone. That, and that, that's something I did want to talk about after we got into spoilers was, sure. so you introduced the first people on the plane, mm-hmm. and you only about half of them, I guess, right? And Because yeah. they're all talking to each other, and that's how you learn who's who. And then it cuts to the people in the control room placing bets on who's going right. to live and die. Yeah, like and that's how you pool. figure out who the rest of them are. And yeah. I just thought that was really clever, like instead of just going around the table and being like, I'm so-and-so, and this is what I do. Yeah, yeah. Right. I thought that was really clever. I thought the tie-in with, I think that the organization... That was one of the weaker points to me. It felt a little too. I get. I get that this is. You know, he's he's created this world with this film that's very over the top. It's very uber violent. It's very stylistic and crazy, and it's got really messed up ideas and people. I just felt like the characters in that office to me felt a little too caricaturist. I don't know. Like they they felt like they were trying to make. They were like. They were their energy level was at like a ten. They need to just take it down to like a six because these are people that like are in an office. You know, they're they're not people that are trying to go out there and kill a bunch of things. Right. And they're they're just office workers, you know. But they're they're operating really. at like a ten. They yeah, but none of them have superpowers. Office workers though. I mean, they work for a government agency that sends out super villains on suicide. Uh, I bet they're still doing paperwork. Yeah, they're still doing paperwork. Monday morning. Yeah, yeah. they're <laughs> coding guys. They're tech people. But those, those characters are in the comics, so I mean, That's he's here in two. I totally get that. Yeah. yeah, I think again though, it's it's just they exist in a world of being in an office, and if they're gonna break out of that, if they're gonna be like ridiculous, then it's like I need a bit more reason for why they're well, like I that. Mean, you know? That almost makes sense for the real world, but these are comic books. They got to be crazy. I, yeah. The movie's crazy, you know. Yeah, and the I movies, think yeah. Go so while well, just setting up the movie mm-hmm. and letting you know what kind of movie you're in for, it starts with uh, who's the guy with the ball that has the long hair? So uh, yeah. So he's just bouncing that ball around, yeah. and then the bird lands, and of course we all think the same thing. Yeah. Is he gonna do this? Yeah. And it hangs on that moment because the director and the writer know, like, they want to show you what kind of movie. This is the opening scene. Yeah. And then of course spoiler he yeah, throws it at yeah, the bird first death in the movie first, is a bird. yeah but that, that also like sets it off where it's like okay like they're not gonna hold back on you they're yeah, gonna no, do this I, I haven't dissected it but they're the birds are a theme in the film itself i haven't really yeah i don't know what it means but there's a lot of birds in it yeah did you notice that i noticed the birds i mean obviously the scene where all the birds get you know burned to death which was kind of yeah but they're caged birds, yeah caged birds you know. but you know they served a lot of purposes one to show you the levels to which you know things have fallen i think when they get burned up and destroyed it's like to show you like okay that we're dealing with a very different leader now uh you know of this government which i thought was effective because they've been set up this like beautiful thing that was you know harley quinn loves the birds and um they're you know, sign of freedom and everything and then so i thought that was a really good thing and i think one of the things he does james gunn does decently well is is set up and pay off set up and pay off that's what i mean yeah it's it's, it's like that's just writing 101 almost. You Agreed. Know? I think that was one of the good things. And at times we talked about this, but one of the bad things is there was a lot of times where the payoffs were so flagged to me. I saw it coming like a mile away. Like the scene with Harley Quinn, um, which she's talking to the, the, you know, the leader and he's, you know, he's up against the glass and they had it framed in such a fashion that like, you know, he did the perfect turn. And then it's like, I, I just, I literally am sitting there going, okay, she's going to kill him. Mm-hmm. I didn't know she was going to shoot him. I thought she was going to push him out the window or something. That's what I'm saying. But, like, you can say like, oh, I knew she was going to, so did you, did you know she was going to kill him? 
and he was going to bleed out for five freaking minutes, and she was going to give a monologue <laughs> as to why. I knew she was going to kill that, him, though. That's the point. But it's, I will say, so that's what I'm talking about with the bird thing, right? Yeah. They hang on it just long enough that you say, oh, she's going to do this, but you still don't know. And it happens when the shark first wants to eat the millennial girl. Yeah. And then he puts her down, and they're shaking hands. And you notice how long they stay where he's shaking and it's holding her funny, arm. Yeah. And in your mind, you're like, he's going to rip gonna, her arm Is up. he still going to eat her? Right. He, yeah, so I would say that's a very common thing that happens throughout the movie. Yeah. And the way that they do and don't let things unfold. Yeah, yeah. that, that scene almost played to me like he doesn't understand how the... Um, right. How the handshake works. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah the, I, the etiquette of it right. is, and it and it adds that tension. Like, what is going on? And, she, and her hand is literally moving yeah. up and down. I'm, yeah. I'm happy that he didn't, that he was still keeping me guessing, even in those moments that I knew something was going to happen. I'm just saying that that downgrades a little bit. A good a good film is going to be like, I didn't see that coming at all. Right. You yeah, know, the, but like the, the, the scene with the uh, I forget his name, but with the dots, um, polka dot man, polka dot man. Yeah, like. He's shouting, I'm a super... I'm like, he's going to die. Sure enough. I'm like, something's going to fall on him. And then sure enough, boom, he's right. dead. You know? Yep. It's like... I, I, And then like when uh, uh, King Shark is playing with those guppies and they finally break free, I'm like, okay, those things are going to be evil. And I they agree. start biting yep. them and they're eating them. And it's like everything about that made sense. I think one of the things that did catch me off guard a little bit actually was that third act twist where you find out that like, okay, the Americans are not just doing something to like save American lives or people's lives, but they're actually involved in this and that their organization yeah, is trying, up, yeah. it's a cover up that, that was actually a good twist that I did not right. see coming. And, and I that's thought that what I mean. That's the first time I like really was impressed with the uh, Rip Flagg's character where when he comes to realize that he's like, I'm, I'm getting this information out. Like right. I loved that whole scene with him and Peacemaker. Yeah. I mean, it was a that sad was a brutal, way. brutal fight. Too. Yeah. When uh, Joel Kinnaman's character goes out, I mean, it was, it was a sad, Colonel Rick Flag. Um, it was very sad. It was weird because it was like I, I know him from the first movie. He survived this entire second movie. And you he know, was, he's, you really get the feeling like he's trying to do something good in the midst of all these bad people. And for the for him to die in that fashion was just so sad. And it, the way that it just kind of like I don't know. I, I thought like, I thought he was going to be the after credit scene. Oh, you thought so? Mm -hmm. He's going to come back to life or something like well, that? Well, just like so another twist that... I, you know, no, he bled out in the building that crumbled. Yeah, yeah for sure. I'm not going to lie. Sure. I but literally knew it was going to be a the Weasel. When, no, when, I guess I meant uh, the one before Peacemaker. That, the Peacemaker. Oh, there are, when they were there like, are oh, we two found end credit scenes, people. Oh, oh yes. FYI. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So stay till right. the very, very end. very, very end. Yeah. So yeah, the Peacemaker one I thought was going to be flag. But he, gotcha. he's getting that HBO series. That's not a shocker. Yeah. So since we talked about the ending, then... I want to go back to what I was talking about before yeah. without spoilers, where the ending is very predictable, right? Yeah. You're a bad guy. We want you to do this. If you do this, we won't consider you a bad guy. Okay, we did it. Well, you didn't do it the way we wanted, so now you're still a bad guy. Oh, but guess what? We have blackmail on you now. Right, yeah. So you're also going to be a bad guy. Okay, yeah. just leave. But we're watching you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we've heard that a million times. But throughout the movie, uh, like when they storm the camp and they kill everybody, and I'm just like, oh, it's like a Rambo movie. And then it's like, oh no, these were the good guys. Yeah, like I did. I didn't see that coming at all. Yeah, I saw having, that coming. Having <laughs> tea again. At I saw a, table, a lot of the twists. I was laughing. And then yeah, the, he's having the Smolshin's character. He's like, I pretended that they were my mother. And I killed them all. That was yeah. right. <laughs> beautiful scene. Right. Yeah. That was. A, it was a very funny scene. I mean, the one upping. It was, that it was a doing funny scene, great, even yeah. if it was just actual villains they were killing. Absolutely. Right. It, but the, the turns of scripts. Yeah. yeah. The turn was good. I I totally saw it coming again. I was like, oh, they saved him. He's in the camp. And when he got captured, it was a different group. I was like, okay, obviously they're 
they're fighting the good fight. So it wasn't, again, it wasn't a shocking thing, but it was still, the way that it was played out was still very effective and hilarious to me. Right. Watching the, the twist and the way she's like, you killed all my people. Like, it was just, right. it was pretty funny. Yeah, and then that, and that's that's uh, setting up that payoff at the end with uh, Bloodsport and the Peacemaker, too. Right. Where, uh, you know, that... He says that line. That yep. line about... Yeah. Smaller yeah, just bullets. the bullet, bigger bullet. Well, that was at the beginning, and that was hilarious. You know, but it's like, he's got the exact same powers as me. Right. He's like, I use smaller bullets. I shoot through the hole that you shoot. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, saying, but I'm saying that set up that one-upmanship, and it just elevated to, to the, the very finals. End. And yeah, yeah. it's just beautiful. Right? Yeah, I agree. Like, I don't think it's like, oh, predictable that it actually pays off. And uh, they, I think they did a very good job, and it had to be pre-planning, maybe storyboarding, of resolving all kinds of things. Um, but with the camp, right, yeah. where they cut back and it's like, oh, these were the re- rebels or whatever they were. Yeah. Uh, but then the cut to the leader standing near all the dead people and just her face, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, She's like, oh, yeah, yeah. shock. It's I not like they were just filming that scene. They said, oh, you know, it'd be great is if we got a shot of her standing by all these people. Like yeah. they thought that out beforehand <laughs> and it pays off. It does yeah. pay off. Yeah. yeah. I, there was a lot of deaths. I think um, there's some of them that will probably stick with me for a little while. Um <laughs> Again, that that's where it kind of dipped into, like, if I had to, like, say some things were just bad and ridiculous. There was a time some of the deaths just seemed like, okay, I, I get what you're doing. You're trying to make it grotesque and bloody and over-the-top violent, but it was like, I'm not getting anything from it. It, it. Maybe that just comes down to, like, some people enjoy that level of violence and, and gore in film. Yeah. I just think if there was three or four scenes, like, when the thinker finally gets gets his... I was totally fine with him suffering and it being a painful death. I thought she was just going to, like, rip him apart. The fact that she ripped him apart and then flung him against the wall and he burst into, like, right. a, a giant thing of goo, right. that didn't add anything. I was like, you already ripped him apart. He can be dead. Throw him against the wall and getting the giant thing of goo again, to me, that's, like, that extra step of, like, and, and, I'm just going to go really far with this. Right. And how much of that was my prior movies I wasn't allowed to go yeah. very far so i'm going to take it to the extreme it felt like yeah. that that's interesting you say that and i but i did like then when harley quinn is walking through that hallway just yeah. demolishing people Which, but then they replace yeah. not replace the blood but they're covering it up with flowers, with flowers and yeah. birds and animated animated birds. yeah exactly i really actually thought that's interesting you said that too though because it's like i really was sitting here thinking did he go so hard on this because he's had his hands shackled by disney in right. the marvel films for so long um no i think and, that's the tone of the film that the first, at least the first one set up as a rated R, wasn't it rated R? It was, but it wasn't anywhere near as grotesque and violent. But I mean, it literally R, wasn't. Why not? Like, yeah, but you, again, I mean, R's going to, you're going to get to R with like two or three people getting shot in the head. That's going to get you an R. Dropping an F-bomb right. more than once, depending on the context. They did like 10 back to back. You know, the nudity is going to get you to an R. He went... There hard no R. Nudity. He went and hard there's a, R. There's right. male nudity. Exactly. There's, there's a difference nudity. between like a soft R, which would be like the original suicide, and then there's this, which is hard R. I'm not I need to look that up. It might, but, it I mean, might not even I, be I a was hard, laughing at that R's. helicopter scene in the beginning yeah. where it took yeah. out like thirty freaking guys yeah. just circling. I was around. fine with that. I mean the the, the close ups, the continual close ups of people on fire like screaming and but shouting. That, but that's as what I'm saying. Like, and, like did you go into it thinking like, well, I hope the violence is 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 tame no i didn't that's what i mean yeah, that's exactly. i'm not there i'm at i'm fine with violence i'm okay with it like i said i've seen saw films i've seen i've seen plenty of films that have had a ton of violence and been totally fine with it but there's a difference to me between necessary violence which is like aiding and a bit aiding and adding 
to the characters and the story and the plot and literally mm-hmm. just focusing a shot on a scene of grotesque over the top violence for like an elongated period just to go look how violent it is and that's where it makes me feel like maybe James Gunn saying I have the freedom to do this so I'm going to I'm going to do yeah. it Which, I don't know that mm-hmm. like we'll see in in interviews and I haven't seen a lot of his interviews or maybe in future yeah, films I mean I don't know if you're consciously aware of it but like I'm sure there's like effects people is like hey hey James I can make his head explode if you want. He it's might like, have just oh, been like, yeah, yeah that sounds great. Yeah, right. do it. And I'm sure a yeah. lot of that is a, a word, is him working with the effects people and telling them, mm-hmm. like, you know, I want this to be this way and so violent. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, it's like, you know, when we when he rips them apart, we'll have their guts, like, fly right. out and did land on the ground instead of, like, we're just going to rip them apart. It's like you said with the you thinker. Know? It's like he hit the wall. You know there was a conversation where somebody said, more blood. Exactly. You right. know, and they had, they were, yeah. he's, you have to push for that because you can cut things like that out very easily. And it, it the scene literally does the exact same thing in my yeah, mind. Yeah. The guy died. He died terribly in a way that he deserved probably. But anyway, mm-hmm. I thought that the one of the only other things character wise that I thought was very mismanaged out of all the characters, I thought they were all handled very well. But the thinker was actually the one character that I felt like was kind of mismanaged. I never got any sense. I never cared. Yeah. From him that he was actually this like super intelligent well, like he was in the position that he was in because of who he was. It felt like we just need a bad guy that has a little bit of a quirk here. Right. So we're going to make him the thinker. And even even and, he even says, well, I've been working with this thing for 30 years. When right. you got the job, you're yeah. the most experienced. Yeah. It's, it's so like, I, it, There wasn't I, an intern that's been there for 10 years. He just didn't seem, he just didn't <laughs> seem necessary to the plot. Like exactly. it just seemed like they needed a, another bad person. And there. I kind of got a little confused. And it could have just been me. Maybe I had drifted off, but uh, <laughs> maybe they went to the bar to meet him, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then yeah. they just well, wait came. for him. They didn't meet him. Well, there. Wait yeah, for him. to yeah. catch him. Yeah, right. they went to the bar to catch him there because they had said earlier that he frequents that. It's oh, a okay, club. so that's what I missed. Was yeah, they were waiting for. I thought they were there to meet him. No, oh. no. Which I I thought that was fine. The the only other part that was a little silly was the whole the one one hit kill or whatever that was. That scene where they're talking about. Have you ever heard of the one hit kill? Oh, and yeah. then they all do it. The one hit kill. I was like that. That was a scene that had no setup. Right. Like if they had talked about that earlier on the plane ride, or they'd been like, "Yeah, man, I can kill a man with one hit," and then the other guy's like, "So can I?" And he's like, "Well, I can do it with one finger." Like if they'd done something like that, right? Then when you have that scene in the trailer, that would actually have been really neat because it would have been like a setup and a payoff. As it stood, it just kind of felt like we just need with these guys the, to break free. Especially with the cigarette, which again rated R, so you can have a cigarette. Yeah. So maybe that's the only reason it's in there, but like. I, didn't you think he was going to do something? I thought with he was going to do something with a cigarette. I thought he was going like, like shove lean it in his forward eye or... and hit him in the face. Yeah, and it was a little how... bit. Yeah. It, it was a little bit less. Which would make the line "I don't even smoke" pay off better. Exactly. Like I'm willing like, to well, do whatever I have to to yeah. get out, including yeah. smoke a cigarette. Even if he just but... burned him with it just to distract him or something. Exactly. Like that. But, yeah. Yeah. It I did... literally did nothing. There was a ton of. I mean, we talked about. It. There's a ton of moments in the film that really were good setups and payoffs in my mind. That was just one that didn't really have that. Um, I mean, I loved pretty much every time. In the story, you know, you, you, they would tie back into like, oh, I really thought that, you know, this character, I, I, don't, I don't have to keep talking about the setups and payoffs, but sorry, were you going to say something? No, I, I just keep on reminding of uh, Polka Dot Man every time he flashbacks to his mother. Oh, yeah, those are great. When the, the scene turns into all his mother. <laughs> yeah. But those are setups and payoffs, right? Because the yeah. first time he just says it, mm-hmm. right? The second time we get to see it through his eyes. Yeah. And yeah. then you see it where it's like five people. Yeah. And then you see it where it's 100 people. And then you see it where it's the giant monster at the end. Absolutely, right? yeah. So. And I like how 
in the first film as well, I think what the, it felt like a lot of times was like these were bad people. Like they're like, well, they kind of, you know, they they fell in some hard times and, you know, so they're, you know, they got thrown in prison unjustly a little bit. And yeah. but they kind of deserved it. Yeah, right, and right, this film is like, no, this this weasel character ate a bunch of kids like, right. you know, the shark dude, King Shark. He literally just like rips off people's heads and devours them. like these are bad people. Except and for the bad catcher. things. They made, they made a point to make sure that Ratcatcher 2 Rat was like, I just liked rats. Yeah. And I what? stole something. Yeah. Well, and she uh, was yeah, a bit I robbed a sure. bank and they used rats. And they, they oh, they said it was a, 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 a yeah. robbery. Yeah. Which like I think that, they might have yeah. been, who knows, maybe she killed a few people while she was robbing the bank with the rats or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but, but I think if you're super powered, you're going to be in this I, prison. Yeah. I don't think I needed the backstory with her and her dad, but I did like the approach of putting it on the bus window. Yeah. Not, not fully cutting back. They do eventually fully cut back to her and her dad. Yeah. But like kind of just letting it happen in real time. So again, and like how is Taika Waititi in this film? That's yeah. all I want to know. <laughs> there was a few yeah. moments. Was like, why are you here? Why? And I was like, hundred percent Marvel Disney man. Yeah. Now it's like, yeah, cameo and in a in a movie that a director got fired from Disney, and you're in that film. (laughs) Awesome. I loved it. I loved him in it. Yeah. Um, We talked about uh, a little bit about um, John Cena and kind of his role as Peacemaker here. We can talk a little bit more about that. I think Um, he was somebody that, again, I wasn't. I didn't have great expectations for just because some of the films I've seen him in, he does great. Some of them are just like average. But this was like the perfect one for him because it comes across as such as like a uptight, you know, white bread, good, good, goody, goody two shoes. But then he has that like dark edge and it's like you can tell that's where he's crazy. That's where he's bonkers is like he's justifying all of his crazy bad actions throughout the course of this film just to try and like and it just it fit his character so well. Right. You know what I mean? To be like he thinks he's actually this goody two shoes like nice person but he's actually a really horrible right. individual <laughs> right. you know so i'd like that really well and, and i would say it sucks for cena but we have to compare him to the other wwe type people right and so dave batista found his role really well in the guardians of the galaxy that seems to work for him right he's good at that uh, yeah i can't yeah. think of his name um but then you have like the rock you know and it's disney every summer the rock is charming with a big smile he's gonna crack a joke right <laughs> yeah. So I do feel like John Cena, like you said, this was perfect for him or yeah. he played it perfectly. One yeah. of the two. It really yeah. felt like in, in a, in a small sense, somewhere throughout this writing and production of the film, James Gunn's goal was like, I'm going to make a non Marvel film, right. not just, I'm going to make a film that allows me these freedoms to do stuff, but I'm going to kind of like go against. And there was, there was some inklings of that. I feel like in guardians of the galaxy two, the guardians of the galaxy one, had violence and it had death but two had a lot more violence and death i mean you talk about the scene where they're literally like torturing people and launching them out into into space and mm-hmm. the way they just like killed the entire ship full of people you know there was a lot more violence in the second film and i like i saw that idea of james gunn that he could go to a very potentially dark crazy place if he wanted to um and then this one was like just you know yeah kid in a candy store like <laughs> Yeah, free reign, like run in the violence, all the violence you would like to run into. But a lot of that is why this movie works. I it feels like nobody was sitting there going, "You can't do that," yeah. or "You got to inject this into there," yeah. or you know, it's twenty twenty one, we got to make sure we hit all these check boxes. Like it really felt like yeah. they gave him the keys to the kingdom and yeah. he made a movie. Absolutely, right. yeah, and it has and its flaws. You ha- but... Having a problem with that head exploding, exploding was just a little bit too much. Is, is proof that he could do whatever he wanted. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right? I'm glad yeah. they gave him the freedom to do it. I mean, I, they, there's constantly been conversations about Marvel directors and the frustrations they have 
because they're working with such a oh like, from, you know controlled environment and right. they have to hit controlled i marks. literally think yeah. they're plugging those directors in from that's all brand this. recognition only i don't yeah. think they actually want them you know like I, i've seen other interviews like well i don't know how to do action you know or direct action and they were like literally like don't worry about it we have people for that we <laughs> yeah. have departments for that and i'm they like it's so become a machine it has yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a good one yeah. but it's yeah i mean i guess i don't mean that in a bad way i kind of compare that maybe to the music industry too though where I eventually do, but became i so do much of a machine when, that yeah. nobody cared anymore yeah when you're like uh what was it lord and uh, miller for uh han solo you know it's like whoa 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 you're you're trying to have too much of your own uh style into this style, film but which they, star wars was oh man there's so much we could talk about with both marvel and star wars but star wars was like they did the worst in both aspects they let the directors have too much control in certain areas I feel like they shouldn't have, and then they didn't let them have enough control in the areas that they should have. Like, in particular, they shouldn't have let them have control over taking the stories in pretty much whatever direction they wanted to, because then you end up with what you had with the Star Wars sequels. It's like one film that goes an entirely different direction in the middle than the first and the last film. Right. It's like the story should have been, but yeah, give the directors their freedom to kind of... Because it works. We, we keep in, seeing in that time... Like. Time and again, when you let the director and the cinematographer and stuff like yeah. all come together and do what they want, it works. It yeah. does, but not but, in a three-part trilogy. Not yeah, no, opinion. no, I agree. Yeah. Not a trilogy. Yeah, but, yeah, but with Marvel, vision, you yeah. are telling this right. 10-year epic story that's going to lead up to Endgame. Certain so things needs to have need quality to be checked. Control. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, in terms of story and in, in, I guess, tone, because I think you're, you're not going to make $2.2 billion on a rated R film. Yeah. I mean, but, this, uh, this was never going to be a blockbuster type film. I mean, Deadpool and, and everything. They know Deadpool an was R-rated. For you an know, R-rated, though. What, what was that? Deadpool was huge. Oh, it was it, huge, like, yeah. Broke but records for an R-rated film. You really only make huge, huge money generally out of a PG-13. Can we just quickly, we don't have to harp on Deadpool, but did you guys like Deadpool better than this? Because I did. I did, yeah. Okay. Just as much. Just as much. Well, I liked I liked. I like that it was well, again, set I've, in the Marvel Universe. You know, I love right. the X-Men, so I love how it played off of that. I love Colossus in it. I love everybody. I love yeah. Ajax. I love um, and I'm, everybody. It, it might just be me because I like Ryan Reynolds a lot. Yeah, so yeah. he's perfect for that But it role. was perfect. But it, again, perfect example of somebody just letting a film be what it wants to be, not trying to reel it in. Because it I works. think it's doomed. <laughs> I think they're doomed for uh, Marvel going forward. I, I don't see how. Yeah, again, there's a lot we talk about with you know both Star Wars and Marvel, but I think Marvel's struggling right now, in my opinion, because they don't really have a solid forward momentum and a sort of like they've got a they've got the same structures in place, they've got the same you know production teams, they've upped their game, especially when it comes to like cinematography, um, but their story's not really driving towards anything in particular right now, and so we've seen with like the last Ooh, three the different. King. Yeah, but what is King trying to do and why and how? It's like we we knew well, we need these films to come from out to Iron Man, right? Push they're that trying to put together this. Forward. They're trying to put together this initiative of Avengers, right? And then as soon as we got close enough to that, we knew okay, there's this big baddie who's basically trying to take over, take control of the entire universe. We've had three films or three shows now, I should say, which have been kind of very very loosely connected. Don't really I don't really see where they're what they're doing and it feels like they've kind of gone more with like side elements of the story like with Wanda they went very big on the stylistic choices of making it like a TV show and, and kind of quirky in that way and then with um, 
the um, Falcon and um, Winter Soldier was very big on the social aspect. Like I think they played up the social stories and how it impacts current culture and things like that, like hugely. And then, you know, now we've had Loki and Loki was kind of the first, I think it feels like iteration into like a bigger story, but it, it was so disconnected from anything right now because he's not interacting with any other characters that we really know from the Marvel universe or anything like that. So I'm not saying they're in a bad place, but in a sense, there's no driving that one of the most exciting parts about a Marvel movie is thinking like, Oh, we've been driving towards X yeah. story. We've heard of this character. There's we know post. of this, right. There's a goalpost. And right now they're just, they're on a field playing, right. But there's no goalpost that they're renting. Yeah. That's good. And you can't even see it. No, there yeah. is just six films should have already come out by now. Probably. Yeah. To explain I what that goalpost is. Probably. Yeah. I mean, they're talking, uh, Oh, I'm drawing a blank on all of them now. But <laughs> Black okay. Widow last yeah. year, Eternals last year, uh, Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, again, Black Widow was out. like, that was like a story from the past, right? You know, yeah. and it just tied into what has already happened. Right. So mm -hmm. it's like, what what are you driving towards there except to tell us to well, go watch Endgame that, again? It had that so, scene <laughs> that will set up Hawkeye, which Spoiler may have already like, come out already. You yeah. Know? I'm, I like Hawkeye. Uh, but I'm saying, I think Marvel's in trouble because of the state of the movie industry where they're not going... Uh, Speaking of box office, I, will, I don't know if you looked at those numbers. Mm -mm. Now, I know this is the biggest R-rated film since the beginning of the, the shutdown of the theaters. Domestic? Any guesses? Mm -mm. For uh, Suicide Squad? This is, this is me looking at it Sunday morning about 9 a.m. I don't know. 52 I mean, million. 52? I was going to say 51 million, actually. Really? Yeah. 51 <laughs> Price million. Price is right. Yeah. <laughs> Actual retail prices, mm -hmm. 12 million. One hundred and fifty thousand wow. dollars. That's really not. But you got bad, HBO. Yeah. I mean, what I want to see the count, like yeah. count of HBO. We'll see what they, How on earth are you going to ever possibly? I mean, you're not like, paying for that on HBO though, right? Like you are. With HBO's got to be paying for it. Take yeah. out what's going on in the world. If you give somebody the option to just sit at home and watch it, especially yeah. only if you pay ten dollars a month. Yeah. They're gonna stay. You're home. talking to the perfect example. I would rather yeah. watch a movie at home, and I've yeah. said that for but 10 never, years. Now. Yeah, you, you don't go to the theater. Right. But I have an awesome anything because, yeah, yeah. I mean, it might legitimately become a thing where. This but that's is the same standard. with uh, so and so theaters. Just there's fewer theaters. They don't do as much money. There's so, not you know there's different types yeah, so, of contracts for right. films. So Black Widow was like a hundred and seventy million box office. Yeah, that's like an opening weekend for a Marvel film Usually. normally. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And then you got the lawsuit and all that stuff. Yeah. But uh, we'll I stay think, focused on Suicide Squad. But I mean, twelve million. It's bad. Crazy. <laughs> what was, I wonder what the price to make the film was. Well, the first big At least change. 100 million. Yeah. I mean, once they started releasing films on TV for like on demand, that was like the first big change because it. But that was domestic. It, it used to be like that. I've worked in, you know, film distribution and it, it used to always be you have your theatrical run and then you have your, you know, rentals and you have your run that basically is like your, you know, rent getting, you know, people to buy through rental or purchase, like purchase DVD. It basically turned into like theatrical run and then on demand. Right. And so there wasn't as big of a turnaround in that second that and second you, part because the internet took over. It just took all of that DVD blockbuster type rentals that they would make and DVD sales because nobody needs to buy a DVD right. anymore. But you're just saying DVD. So, you're forgetting about when it came out on VHS, you got the sales. DVD got the sales. Right. Blu-ray got the sales. Now Apple iTunes is saying if you buy it in 1080 mm -hmm. and it gets remastered in 4K, you have it in 4K. Absolutely. Right. And it, so it was like the only reason we ever had the structure book still in place that it was like theatrical and then on TV or on demand was because that's how it was before. We had theatrical and then DVD right. and went theatrical and TV. But now that we've had this big shift 
you know, coronavirus, you can't go to theaters. It it feels like that's going to become the new blended norm, right. which is like you're going to release it on demand and in theaters. But you bring up a good point about re-release. Like but, we're but, not. But I'm, Disney I'm, used to say, "Out of the vault for this year only, yeah. Bambi." Yeah. Like on DVD, right? What, that's cares. gone. <laughs> yeah, but that's gone. Like, now, I can just right? buy it on iTunes yeah. or, and have it indefinitely. Or watch on Disney Plus yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah, but that. Um, yeah, that that whole model I think is gone, and and Marvel is banking on all these films, and I don't think any of them are going to pay off. Yeah, I agree. Any time, not in the way that they need them to pay off. No, like I said, you will, you will never have another billion dollar movie. Yeah. And unfortunately for them, they are so deep in it. They it doesn't matter if it doesn't pay off. They, they are have sitting to continue. on movies. Yeah. They, they are have sitting to make on yeah. movies with no revenue. And, and yeah. but they have to like have the resolution. Yeah. They have to finish. Yeah. Right. And it's fun. I mean, we're sitting here talking about a movie that we went and saw that we enjoyed. It was a big Hollywood blockbuster release. And it's sad because it's like I that's I love that. That's part of my childhood was renting movies and doing yeah, the summer and yeah. going to the theaters and things like that. I grew up in a, for a while, a small town and there was a little theater with two, two screenings happening at one time. And like, that was a big part of my childhood. And I get that it's different. I just, you know, I don't know what to make of it right now. I don't know if it's going to be a good thing or a bad thing. I think theaters will always be around how big of an influence they are on Hollywood. And cinema. I think it'll be an option. Yeah. It's just going to become more of an option sort of a thing. And then it'll become like, where is it going to premiere on? Or unless they You've come got your three big networks and which one is it going to premiere on? Or is it going to do all of them? Well, I think it's going to benefit more independent filmmakers that want to make a small movie that costs 5 million. Right. They're going to take a chance on that and throw it on Netflix yeah, or if they Amazon make, or anything. Cause if they make 12 million opening weekend, they doubled their investment. Right. Well, I don't even think it'll be released. I mean, they're, these yeah. are just going straight to... Right. I can't even believe uh, Green Knight came came out in theater. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see that more and more. I, it was I'm, good. I like way. the fact that there's there's some films with different studios like Amazon, Netflix, you know, even Apple Now and stuff. They're making smaller films an option, once again. It's even never Green really used to be. Unless you Unless you raise your own money... You know, and and basically sunk it into a film because which we're overdue for. We're overdue for that Napoleon Dynamite, Renaissance, that Dazed and Confused, yeah. Link Later. You know, we're overdue for that slacker that just yeah. like costs literally nothing to make. I think everybody's still up. trying to figure out what's happening though. You yeah. know, right. like what is happening with Hollywood? What is happening with streaming versus theater? Right. You know, what is it going to be? No, I mean, like I'm so scared for Dune. I think they're going to push it back. I think they're going to push back Spider Man. You think, think Dune's going to get yeah. delayed? Well, Spider-Man they just said, I, so. I, I didn't read into this for sure, but they had actually said they're not going to be doing um, a trailer for Spider-Man. Did you hear that? Yeah. That's kind of Which interesting. Is, it's yeah. funny because it'll probably work because yeah. it's the first time. Oh, yeah. I mean, but somebody will try it afterwards right? and it'll bomb because yeah. nobody saw the trailer. <laughs> I feel like they could do a teaser. They don't even have to like, they could literally just show clips of like things like, you know, places in the I mean, Marvel I, I, Universe. I have, or I have no interest yeah. in seeing Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds, but the marketing on that is hilarious. Yeah, he did a good job with it. Yeah, he's I always did. great with that, though, the marketing side of things. Right. I mean, he just loves that, I think. But he's using Korg from Thor. Yeah. <laughs> which is Taika Waititi, but he's that character anyway in the movie. But yeah. And, I want, and he's working Deadpool in there. How is right. that even possible? It's <laughs> right. hilarious. Yeah. Well, let's wrap it up just real quick. Uh, with... Yeah, I had something to kind of bring it back. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So I think I misspoke at the beginning because I said I probably won't talk about this movie in 10 years. But this movie did something that stood out to me. Uh, it had a lot of 90s throwbacks in the cinematography and the attitude and the music that was used. And uh, I think that's the first movie I've seen that I can think of that had that 90s quality to it. 
and everything previously for the last 10 years or so has had that 80s quality yeah. like stranger things that kind of stuff and this was maybe the first one super 8 was maybe the first one that did the 80s throwback yeah remember that movie I do, spielberg yeah. um and this one had a lot of that 90s opening yeah. credits with the where they're focusing on all the dead bodies and the music's playing really loud yeah that was jj abrams i think actually Oh, with Super 8, I thought. Oh, maybe Spielberg. Yeah. yeah, you're fine. Super 8 is J.A. Funded it, I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so I just think it felt like a if, if movies story. movies yeah. continue to keep using that 90s vibe, yeah. we'll probably talk about this as being the one that kind of brought it in. I agree. Right. I That was the only other, I, we didn't talk about it at all with the cinematography, but there was a couple moments, especially with like the handheld cam, that there was like shots where it felt it, it took me out mm-hmm. I, there's a place and a purpose for handheld shots especially when you're trying to do like a one shot type thing like there was one where they when they were in the car uh, and they were meeting was it Milton uh, and he, he they did like a perspective shot from inside of the car and they were like moving the camera all around it just felt a little too flagged yeah you know I, did, handheld can be tough sometimes but what, did, I, did I get that 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 scene right with uh, Harley Quinn where not only did she not who know who Milton was at yeah. the end, she thought it was Bloodsport. Yeah, she called him Blood. Yeah. She called Bloodsport Milton, which that was yeah, great. Yeah, I thought that was really. Fancy. I think I thought that was good. Harley Quinn didn't land a lot. Like a lot of her lines didn't no. land for me. She wasn't. But I did appreciate that they just kind of let her be insane this yeah. time, that's without having saying. to be that, cutesy. This is and, the first time I actually yeah. liked her in the film. Yeah. yeah, I love Margot Robbie, but I'm saying like character never worked for me. I I haven't seen Birds of Prey, but <laughs> in the first one, I'm just like. Right. And then the last line that she has, either, yeah. they let her just be insane, where she's like, you're Milton. We talked about it for hours. And yeah. it's like, oh, she's crazy. Yeah. Right. It would no, be interesting no, to see if like, they ever do like, like the a Like the scene real... with the uh, the prince guy of, of uh, Culto Maltese. Uh, like her rationale of yeah. like, when I see a red sign, you know, like to me that is insanity. Right there, you're, you're living it because <laughs> you just shot a person. He is literally bleeding out in front of you. And you're talking about morals. Yeah, but before the other movies, they had to have her be like, she's insane, but also really attractive and really cutesy. And yeah, overplayed yeah. her for sexual... Yeah, exactly. Uh, and this know, time, they really stayed away from it's, most of that. But she's sexy even more when you're not. like. <laughs> and you know, two female characters in it, my friend Russ brought this point up, that really saved the day, but... Huh? Not at the expense of any other character in the film. Oh right. yeah, and they didn't have Everybody to. Everybody was the... balanced very nicely. Yeah, exactly. It felt like to me. Back but in I mean, the back yeah. in the day when you had the two women in a movie, inevitably there would be a moment where they talked to each other and been like, "Well, the peacemaker is really cute, isn't he?" Mm-hmm. And they didn't have to do any of that. So absolutely, I like that. But they had to do that in Last Jedi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. And that's bad <laughs> storytelling. You know, when you when you're trying to force the story to go in a direction because you're trying to tell. The, In, instead of letting a character do something because it makes sense, you're just trying to force a character to do something because you have to get the story somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that was not in this film at all. I mean, no, even in that, the final conflict, if any of them hadn't performed, then they wouldn't have been able to win. You know what I mean? Even though, yeah, like the the, the rats were probably the one that finally did the, the giant starfish in, you know, it wouldn't have happened if Margot Robbie hadn't have gotten the javelin jump into the eye to like let the rats in there probably. And if, you know... They all hadn't have taken their little role to like you know knock the creature down or to tell people where to go. So it was like it's a team effort, and it never felt yeah. like one person had to sacrifice themselves at the throne of like, well, we have to get this element in there. And I I love that. And the, and the story about the rats and her dad on the bus I thought was awesome. Idris Elba's incredible. Yeah, you guys also still, you still need to see the wire, but right. I'm saying 
if you watch that scene, he wipes that tear away so casually, and it's it really landed with me. Yeah, I and like then, that he was the only person that ever told anybody else what to do. Also, yeah, but he became the leader. Exactly, yeah, he didn't want to be. Right. But I'm saying, like, I love the, I love that. Well, that was his arc, right? You know, mm-hmm. they yeah. set that up early that he needed to be not just a leader, but like a father figure almost. Mm-hmm. And it was like he had to be the leader because he couldn't have like been a father figure unless he took that authority role in a certain sense. Right. Like if one of them was learning to be like a motherly figure, then they would need to take an authority role or something. I didn't. I'm just, yeah. And then yeah. But that, that story about the rats that covered her to keep her warm, like the rats. Which, I don't know about you guys, that was disgusting to me. I was Agreed. Like, oh, okay, I get it. You need <laughs> right, to be warm, but, but you're covered in rats. You're going to be covered in poop and just, but, oh. But his experience with the rats was sheer, sheer terror being locked in the box with yeah, the rats, right? Which fit so well, yeah. Yeah, and at the end of the story, he was covered by rats that saved him. You know, it's like, yeah. it's. That's beautiful. That's he was still freaking out of it though, because he had that little thing at the end where he finally pet the rat, her her one main rat. I want to wrap. If we wrap this up, yeah, I'll tell you where I the exact moment I thought, "Holy crap, this film's awesome!" was the prison uh, visit with his daughter. Oh, that, that was hilarious! Whole conversation yeah. just went to well, again, for the F-U, 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 F-U. again, like, we're oh, like sorry. playing this it's off like, of like what they did in the last film because last film you have will smith who has this you know relationship with his family or was it his daughter i forget but it's like you know yeah, his daughter right and he's he wants to be better and he wants to be a good person to her and it's like and this you're thinking that's going to go where this goes and instead it's like kill batman it's like, her. Yeah, yeah. i can't believe you got caught for something stupid like a watch like it's just it's it was great. smart of them i don't think it'll pay off years and years and years down the road if people only watch this version of the yeah. suicide squad you kind but, of watch both sadly. yeah you really do. get it I, that's what i, I was gonna say thought because, it was uh it was a kind of a play on uh Barry Allen, the Flash in the Justice League movie with uh, his father, yeah. you know, like make something of your life, son. Right. You know that type of thing. <laughs> but I guess I was just getting at the point where they just dive in. There's oh. no like, this is what the Suicide Squad is, and yeah. this is what this is. Yeah, I guess the only thing we also didn't talk about too much was the office workers and kind of like the story that takes place there. I like how Viola Davis in this. I think in the first one. They kind of made her a more clocked. sympathetic that person. Was great. Uh, this one they went hardcore. Like, look, she's just. Like to the wall, bonkos of like I'm gonna do whatever well, I that need dude, to do that dude to accomplish my task. Right. Um, then when she finally did get clocked, you're like, okay, that's very deserved. <laughs> like you're <laughs> yeah, like, if true. that had happened and she was the character from the last film, I would have been like, well, that's pretty messed up. But after she'd done everything she did, you're like, yeah, you and can, that, you and can that, clock. Them. And that dude in the office questioned her twice about. I mean, you wouldn't really kill his yeah. daughter, daughter, would you? And she goes, you would not believe what I'm capable right, of. Yeah. She's and then great that, in that role. To yeah. me, that was the go-ahead for getting clocked with the golf club, uh, yeah. which was set up they earlier. Used, they used uh, But you see how she was using that golf club? Yeah. That's beautiful writing. Absolutely. That was good, yeah. They tied it in super well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they used hurting children a lot in this movie. I don't know if you they noticed did. that. Everything yeah. was like, you wouldn't do that. They're testing on children here. Yeah. They, he does this to children. Yeah, well, the, the weasel, weasel eats 23 children. kids. And yeah. it's like, you can't, there's kids involved. We have to save yeah, them. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why. It kind of, I just took me out of the movie a few times when yeah. I was just like, why but, are they hitting this what, so hard? What a coup. For... I mean, I don't want to get conspiracy theory, but I mean, it I has think, to be James Gunn. Yeah, James yeah. Gunn, you know, firing from Marvel was for jokes about kids. Right. So, like, I think, he, I think you're really onto something. Maybe. But I am telling you, what a coup. And what's so amazing about this film is he was literally prepping for Guardians of the Galaxy and gets fired. Yeah. 
he immediately turns around and gets hired for Suicide Squad. And this is what he comes up with. Yeah. yeah. This is like on the fly. Right. It's not like he was sitting there prepping for Guardians. It's like, you know what? I'd love to get, you know what franchise I'd love to get my hands on? That Suicide Squad. I've already got really, a script. They, yeah. re- they yeah. really got screwed up by the, uh, you know, the studio and the, and the yeah. re-edits and whatnot. Yeah. Well. Give him justice. That's all everything. I can say. I think the last thing I would say is, you know, do you, what, what, would you encourage people to go see this? And if so, who? Comic book fans. Comic true. Book fans. I mean, yeah. not true comic book but people actually read comics back in the day. I don't yeah. know where comics are now. I don't really read newer stuff. There's very few books I read. But if you're old school, I mean, like Peacemaker for me, I was a huge fan of Checkmate with uh, Steve Irwin Alve and uh, Paul, Paul Kerberg. I can't remember how to pronounce his name. Anyway, Peacemaker's in that. It is this awesome book. Yeah. And uh, if you're looking for more Peacemaker, check out Pax Americana, uh, Grant Morrison, and uh, Frank Quitley book. Yeah. He is at his finest in that. But uh, if you're a really big comic book fan, because this was just like straight up comic book. What I think you're saying, 90s nostalgia is just like, to me, it was just, this was 100% comic book. Mm -hmm. Starfish on people's heads. That's exactly the way it is in the comic <laughs> Looking book. like Mermaid Which Man they from Spongebob. Yeah, totally, yeah. They <laughs> looked I mean, really ridiculous. It was funny. But literally, that it, it was just a comic book come to life. Yeah. And I just applaud it for like going full-on comic book. Yeah. yeah, I think it was a good way to give fans what they wanted without alienating people who maybe didn't care about the Suicide And what's, yeah, what's yeah. so amazing is how much he went to the original source, which I'd never read, but he's literally... Referencing a whole bunch of stuff in that. That's awesome. Yeah, I, it, I haven't it's read a the true original, comic book and movie yeah. film adaptation. It's a, it's a real strength that a person that doesn't know anything about the comics can watch it and enjoy it as much as we did, and then also a person that did. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. You but know? but a, but a, but a guy like Bloodsport, even in a comic book, he's not going to have like this huge backstory. It's just going to be a guest villain or a guest. Yeah, you know what I mean, like a. A villain of the week type guy. That's yeah. how comics were written back in the day, not with some type of franchise goals and in five. It's like years how the Flash now. handles it, or Smallville used to when they used to just do the villain of the week kind of. Well, thing. I'm talking about when you're trying to translate those characters, you know, right to film. Yeah, yeah. What do you think the odds are that this film actually exists in a in a DC universe? Like, <laughs> it's getting smaller and smaller likelihood every. I'm sorry, keep I mean, this going, but it's, it's no, it's fine. Small they brought characters back but, into it from the other ones. Yeah, but what's funnier is. It's like there's no DC verse, even though they're saying there is. I mean, well, that's what I mean. That's that's even funnier than the what what Marvel is going through. Yeah, they have everything now. The whole paradigm is shifting, so where they're not going to make that money. Everything they said DC was bad at or failed at is actually turning into gold, you know, for them. Right. Yeah. So, because Mar- no Marvel's at the point for DC, Marvel's at the <laughs> point pretty- now where they have to say, and none of that mattered. Yeah. Yeah. So, Absolutely. I mean, like, yeah. but you have, there is no expectations for DC. Well, DC, than, well you're probably going to be bad. Like, right. well, the Flash is going full on uh, multiverse, so they don't even care. They'll have 12 Batmans and it doesn't matter. And I don't think it does. I think they think they needed a cinematic universe like yeah. uh, Marvel. And they don't. And they yeah. don't. But, uh, I'm fine with that. I'd I'm be okay with, with one less cinematic but I, universe. But I think eventually. it's just crazy. <laughs> as long as the like movies you, keep being good, I, you know. Well, like you have an incredible movie like Wonder Woman that just blew my mind. Never yep. thought in a million years I'd, I'd like it as much as I did. And then 1984 comes out and it's garbage. It's garbage. It's a hot mess. That's, that's the problem. That's one of my big <laughs> But that, That's what I'm saying. So you yeah. have Suicide Squad 
complete garbage. Now you have I'd like probably to give them, my favorite DC movie right now. I'd like right to give now. them the benefit of the doubt with the Wonder Woman 1984 and say that that was just the timing mixed with, you know, production limitations and budget limitations due to not releasing in theaters. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, but that was a, that was a hot Story mess. writing constraints. Story was I'm pretty sure they were off. done before COVID. And they took an extra yeah. year or two on I'll have that. To look into that. I'm not too sure. But yeah, I mean, even some of the special effects. I mean, they literally left a shot in there that you can tell she's holding on to dummies. Like, yeah, that's like, what I keep saying. You she's can, rolling on the ground. She's rolling on yeah. the ground, dummies. Like, yeah. anyway, that's a completely separate thing. How are uh, some ways that people can get connected to you guys? Because I want to make sure we we plug the work that you're doing. We didn't even introduce ourselves, but uh, yeah, I'll Ross, go first. I'm go oh, first. Dave. Yeah, okay. go, go ahead. ahead, Dave. Dave, do it. <laughs> uh, Thevasic.com. V A S I C, uh, Vasic on the Vasic on YouTube, Instagram, the underscore Vasic. Awesome. That's about it. Sweet. But comic books and comic uh, books. videos. He's a great artist. He's downplaying it. Yeah. yeah. Check him out. Yeah. You yeah. guys work together a lot. Yeah. yeah. We do work together a lot. Uh, yeah. My name is Ross Caligiuri. I'll say it slow because there's a lot of vowels in it. Caligiuri. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find me at dreaminginthashadows.com, which is the name of one of my science fiction books. I'm a writer. I'm a musician, just a creative dude. Absolutely. Get yeah. in touch. Yeah. Cool. Well, I want to thank you all for listening in. Uh, you can check out the podcast, obviously, on our website, realreview.com. Uh, we also have uh, our Facebook at facebook.com slash the real review. Uh, we'd love to get connected there. And if you have any thoughts, perspectives, input, things that you feel like we really messed up on talking about, uh, shoot us an email, realreviewmedia at gmail.com. And uh, that'll be all. I think we've talked for over an hour now. <laughs> so any other put input, thoughts? Yeah, go see it. You're going to see it anyway. If you're listening Love to this it. podcast, you've yeah. probably already seen it. Probably. If they're this far in, they've definitely been spoiled. But go but see it. Yeah. Tell your friends yeah, to see I it. Mean, Totally, keep making more totally downloadable right now 1080 no handy hand cam uh <laughs> yeah you can get it <laughs> today yeah. you yeah. can tell it's high quality no handy no chicking no right yeah. all right everybody well it's been real goodbye how dare you, you last word it. i'm the last word last ross word. how dare you <laughs> <laughs>